So what lie do you tell yourself when you try to justify your sin? If you're in this sort of psychiatric word, world, there's a, a phrase or a word for deceiving yourself or self-deception or lying to yourself. It's called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance. And what it means is that there's a separation, a dissonance, a separation from reality and what you perceive or what you take in as true. It's the lying that we do to ourselves. So I'll be with a husband who's got a full-blown pornographic addiction. And what he does is he says something like, you know, but at least I'm not cheating on my wife. Or I'll talk to another person and they're spending in ways that's going to harm them. And they go, well, it's better than using. Or, don't worry, I can pay the minimum. All of us have a lie that we tell ourselves to make our sin seem okay. Interestingly enough, we don't have any lies for the sins that people commit against us. Those we see super clearly. <laughs> Crystal. But the sins that we commit against ourselves, one of the greatest lies that we tell ourselves is this. It doesn't matter what I do so long as no one else is hurt. So the 13-year-old who's having his first mixed drink tells himself, it doesn't matter so long as I don't hurt anyone else. The, the husband, like I talked about, who's addicted to pornography, it doesn't matter so long as I don't hurt anyone else. The, the religious person, the person who comes to this church and yet refuses to forgive, doesn't matter so long as I don't hurt anyone else. You see, we're used to giving ourselves lies. We're used to telling ourselves things that are untrue. And one of the things that we want to do in this series that we started just a little while ago is we want to get some of those lies out of our head. So we started a series. You know, it's always been, every week, it's always been my aim to share with you God's word or to share with you what God said. In this series, I'm trying to tell you what God didn't say. In this series, we're trying to lay a foundation to, to uproot some of the lies that we believe. The first week, we talked about the first lie. The first lie was, um, doesn't God just want you happy? And if you want to listen to the rest of that uh, talk, we talk about how destructive that lie could be. And last week we talked about how God won't give you more than you can handle. And we talked about that. And you can go on our website, www.rhowbk.org.org. 
and we talk about how, how dangerous that is to believe. Next week, we're going to talk about what you believe doesn't matter so long as you're sincere. And we're going to talk about that light. This week, though, we're talking about it doesn't matter what you do so long as you don't hurt anyone else. You see, this is destructive. If we continue to believe this, we will only reap a harvest of destruction in our lives. If we continue in this way, what we will find that private sins have public consequences. We will find that private sins have personal consequences. Every one of the sins that we commit, the reason that we can say, it doesn't matter what I do so long as I don't hurt anyone else, is because we don't understand how destructive sin is. You think, you think not forgiving mom. You think that that is an isolated thing. The sin of unforgiveness. But what you don't understand is that unforgiveness is poisoning your marriage and poisoning your relationship with your kids and poisoning your deep friendships. Because personal sins have public consequences. Personal sins have personal consequences. I remember uh, I had a friend, and I still have him. He's, he's a great guy. And he, he was just betting a few dollars. And what it was, what was his sin? See, when we look at that, we go, oh, yeah, that's not really a sin. That's no big deal. No, no, no. What he was doing is he was putting his trust in uh, luck rather than putting his trust, his financial trust, in God. And so what he did was he took, and this happened over the, what I'm about to tell you happened over the course of a weekend, I'm telling you, it took 12 years to get here. It took 12 years to get to that weekend. He bet on a football game, lost whatever it was, like six grand, doubled down, and then doubled down again when he lost again. The end of that weekend, he was 50000 I'm not kidding, $50,000 in debt and had really, really dangerous men threatening his life. Because personal sins have public consequences. Personal sins have private consequences. When we choose to behave in a way that we think only hurts us, you have no idea the damage that you're doing because you don't understand the profundity of sin. See, sin is never isolated. Sin, it's like, sin is like a virus. It never stays, have you ever had like, um, uh, like something as simple as a pink eye? You know, something like that. Or an infection. I have a, in fact, I, two of my kids got sick this week. One was sick with one, one was sick with another. And, and it starts to produce. First, it's no big deal. Nobody notices. Then you begin to notice. Then everybody begins to notice. 
But we don't understand that when we have sin in our lives, that it goes and affects every other part of our lives. So there are some lies that I want to dispel about our sin. And then by the end of the sermon, what I'm going to try to do is help you to identify your sin. Isn't this going to be fun? It's going to be awesome. I'm going to help you identify your sin, but here's the deal. I'm not going to help you identify the silly sin that you keep repenting about that's not true. What we do, here's what I mean. What we do, again, cognitive dissonance. We don't want to look at the reality of our sin. We don't want to look at the pain of what we've really done. So what will happen is, is we'll look at a sin and say, for instance, I yelled at my wife. I, I, ro- I, I raised my voice at my wife. So the way I come back to my wife and I ask for forgiveness is like this. This is what it looks like. You know, I, that was wrong. I'm sorry. I, I broke the volume rule. I broke the volume rule. I raised my voice past a particular volume. You know, we have culturally in our home. And I broke the volume rule. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So this is what it looks like. I say something like this. I say, you know, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have raised my voice. I shouldn't have raised my voice. Now, my wife, who just got wounded, she just got wounded by my sin, my real sin. And I'm confessing to her what I did, but she's looking at my real sin. In other words, I'm confessing a leaf. My wife is looking at a root. So I'll go, I'm sorry for breaking the volume rule. Will you forgive me? And I can see that she's hurt and she's not yet ready to forgive. And then I sin against her again. I say, what? You're you're not ready to forgive me? Well, boy, you know, what kind of Christian are you? You know, you got a problem. This is... Boy, I tell you, I've already confessed my sin. You need to accept my forgiveness. If you don't, well, then that's, that's on you. I don't know what to tell you. I can't change the past. Is that what your forgiveness looks like? Is that what your confession of sin looks like? Am I the only one here who sounds that horrible? And she won't forgive. You know Why? Because I haven't confessed my real sin. I haven't. What if, in that same moment when I raised the volume to my wife, what if I said what was really going on? I said, here's the truth about me. You weren't doing what I wanted you to do. And if you don't do what I want you to do, I will have contempt for you all the days of your life. That's the truth. That's the sin. So in this sermon, we're not going to spend time swiping at leaves. We're going to dig for roots. So first, we're going to look at the three lies about sin, and then hopefully we'll help you get to the root of sin. Are you ready? This is going to be a blast. Everybody ready to say amen? amen. All right. I like that kind of enthusiasm, even though you're lying in a <laughs> congregation. Okay. This is awesome. So grateful you're here. So the first, um, 
the, the first lie that you need to know about sin that you will tell yourself is this. I'm not a bad person. Would you write that down? I'm not a bad person. You have, um, by the way, inside your bulletins, you have what we call a sermon map. It kind of helps you navigate with what I'm about to say. And, and by the way, if you don't like what I'm about to say, I know, me too. I don't like this stuff either. It stinks. In fact, God's word warns us about not wanting to address sin. It says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. It says this, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. It's me. That's me. Is that you? That's me. You know what? I want you to tell me how great I am. I want you to tell me how good I'm doing. I want you to tell me how much I've grown. I don't want to hear about this stuff. But, but we got to get to this stuff. I'm your pastor, and I love you. And I want nothing but good for you. But we can't stay. We cannot stay where we've been. So the first lie we're going to have to confess is that I'm not a bad person. Now, this is a shock to many of us just to hear that because we live in America and we all think we're good people. In fact, we all think we're good people. That's our defense not to come to church or not to gather with the believers. But I don't need to go to church. I'm a pretty good person. We think that Christianity equals being moral. Or Christianity equals doing good things. The first lie we have to be rid of is I'm not a bad person. 1 John 1.8 says really convicting, a really convicting verse. It says, why don't we read 1 John 1.8 together? Would you read it with me? If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Wow. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And this is the reason why we can get away with it. It's because we have excuses for our sins. All of our sins have reasons. Isn't it true? Are you like me? Do all your sins have reasons and excuses for them? You don't understand. You don't understand. It was the way I was raised. You don't understand. This thing happened to me when I was young. You don't understand. If you would see the way they have treated me all these years. I remember my wife, when my wife and I went to um, counseling. And by the way, it's really healthy for a marriage to go to counseling once a year or once every other year. It's like, right, you tune your car up, right, because you think it's valuable. And once a year, even though it's running well, you'll, you'll have it a tune-up, right? It's a good idea to do that with your marriage, too. Well, this is one of those seasons where we were going to marriage counseling, and it would always happen this way. We would go every, once every two weeks, and we would do it for like two months or so. And so we would go. And then, like, I don't know, 15 minutes before we got to the counseling session, two weeks had passed, right? 15 minutes. I had a long list of all the things my wife did. I was like, oh, I got a lot to talk about. Got a lot to talk about. <laughs> Fifteen minutes before we showed up into the counselor's office, it would happen like clockwork. 
It was as if somebody gave me a script to read, and on the script it said, shout really loud here. And I would read the script, and I would lose my mind, and I would explode. You know what we would do for the rest of that hour in that session? We would talk about, we would talk about that 15-minute explosion. That's what we would do. And you know what I would say inside my heart? You know what I would say? You know what I would say? But you don't know what she's done these last two weeks. I'm the victim. It's crazy. It's crazy. I really believe that stuff. I think I still believe it now. It's crazy. But you know what? You can't convince me otherwise. You know why? Because I got reasons for the reason I sin. I got excuses for the reason I sin. That's why we can live with this lie for so long. I'm not a bad person. No, the truth is, listen to me, listen to me. If you're, good night, what are you doing coming to Jesus if you don't recognize that you're a bad person? All Jesus, here's, here's, the, here's the gospel. You're so bad, somebody had to die to pay the penalty for your sin. Somebody had to be sent to, your sin is so bad, you deserve the death penalty. And God executed that judgment on himself on the cross. That's how bad we are. We think that our sin deserves a little apology. Our sin deserves death. I'm not a bad person. Romans 3.10 says it this way. There is no one righteous. Not even one. Yeah. Okay. Second sin. So, all right, so are you, are you with me? Let's, all right, so how many bad people in the room? Anybody? Raise your hand if you're a bad person. All right, the rest of y'all are not getting the sermon, right? Like, you're not understanding what we're saying, right? You don't get it. All right, let's try it again. Even fake it. See if you can fake it really good, okay? All right, we're in church, so you can, you can manage that, right? That's what we do well. All right, so let's try it. Uh, how many people are bad people? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a few. There's still a few of you. Give me a few minutes. I get it. I get it. It's great. Number two. Second lie. Second lie is all sin is the same. All sin is the same. So we say this. Who are you to judge me? Who are you? You don't have sin. You can't judge me. You can't tell me my sin is bad. You can't confront me. This is a lie from the pit of hell. All sin, all sin, all unforgiven sin, all unforgiven sin, has the same consequence, that is hell, all unforgiven sin. But not all sin is the same. We would all agree that if I'm driving down the street and, you know, and I, you know, let's say, for instance, by mistake, I, um, I park a little bit into the box, right, and someone screams at me and I, you know, and I tell them that they're number one, right? The traditional sign for telling them that they're number one, right? If I do that, right, we all agree that's bad, right? But if I got out of the car and had a fight with the person, we agree that's worse, right? See, not all consequences of sin are the same. See, all sin is evil. All sin in in the end, is a rebellion against the holy God, but not all of sin's consequences are the same. 
So for instance, if one of the pastors here struggled with overeating, there's, right, gluttony. Let's say they struggled with gluttony. One of, we had one of the pastors here, Ish, one of them is struggling with gluttony. We would go, okay, you could still pastor. Let's, let's work with this. Let's, let's talk about it. You could still pastor. But if one of our pastors decided to smoke some weed on a regular basis with some of our attendees, they would be removed. You could see the difference, right? So not all sin is the same. And so when we say that, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get uh, the weight of our sin off of our shoulders. And we were never meant to take the weight of our sin off of our shoulders. We were meant to have the weight of our sin taken from us by Christ. When you become your own savior by saying all of sin is the same, then what you're doing is you're taking the place of Christ. And this won't help. And the Bible says it this way. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is the one who takes the weight of sin. So, the fact is, is that our sin influences, write this down, consequences on earth, rewards in heaven, and punishment in hell. How we live influences consequences on earth, rewards in heaven, and punishment in hell. You see, the consequences of sin are not all the same. And so we just can't give a blanket statement. So the first sin that we looked at is, I'm not a bad person. Don't buy that. Don't buy that. Christians aren't good people. Christians are forgiven people. Secondly, all sin is the same. In other words, an effort to downplay my sin. Don't buy it. Thirdly, and this is one of the biggest that I see. Listen, congregation, I'm speaking to the Recovery House of Worship right now in this room, and certainly to those who are listening around the world, but for sure the people in this room. This is a belief system that I think trips so many of us up. Since I've already done it, I might as well keep doing it. Since I've already done it, I might as well keep doing it. This lie, this lie is one of the most destructive lies I've ever seen. I literally remember hearing a guy, true story, he, he had been clean for years. I mean, lots and lots of years. And one day, and again, these things don't happen overnight. It's a process. One day, he decided to go back to smoking crack. And when he told the story, he said this, the moment that I hit the pipe, I knew this was the, I regretted it. I knew this was a horrible decision. The second that I hit it, and yet it took me three years to come back. I mean, the second that I took the hit, three years to come back. Listen, just because you've messed up doesn't mean you have to keep messing up. 
Just because, listen, so, all right, teenagers or young adults, teenagers, young adults, just because you've had sex already doesn't mean you should continue to have sex. Just because you've lied doesn't mean you should continue to lie. Just because, listen, singles, just because you messed up with your boyfriend or you messed up with your girlfriend, just because you've done that doesn't mean you have to continue to mess up. This lie will keep you stuck for so long. It, was, it wasn't until my late 30s that I learned this lesson, that I could say no at any time. That like, right, so you're driving to the cop spot, right, and then you pull over, you get your money out, and you could say no. When you park the car, you could say no. You can just turn around and go. When you're walking to the cop spot, you could say no, even as you're walking to the... After you told a guy, you could say no. Even, listen, there, at any point in the story, you can say, God, this is not for me. Help me. Strengthen me. Help me to find delight in you. But these are the three lies that we tell ourselves and that if we don't, if we don't address these lies, what we will find ourselves is going back to the same sin over and over and over again. So let's, now, now that we have some of the lies out of the way, and, and before actually we go on, I want you to see 1 Corinthians 10.13, because it's so precious. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand or you can endure it. Listen. No matter where you are, maybe, maybe you had a beer last night and you go, oh gosh, this doesn't end well. You know, traditionally when I have a beer, it goes and it grows, whatever. Today, today you could find someone in this church and you can go, here's the truth about me. I try to find my delight in a beer rather than finding my delight in Jesus. I try to find my salvation in a beer rather than finding my salvation in Jesus. I already drank last night, but would you help me? Would you come with me and take the stuff out of my refrigerator? Because I don't have strength like that on my own. I need, I need the people of Christ working in the spirit of Christ to do the will of Christ. And so you do that, and then we, we all praise God and, and celebrate Jesus and go, you see? But we have to be willing to admit these lies. It does matter what we do. And the fact that we say that I'm not a bad person doesn't help us, or all sin is the same. Or since I've already done it, I might as well keep on doing it. That's insane. You don't have to. Let me talk to you about the four root sins. We've talked about this before, but I think that we need to talk about this some more. Now, there are, all of your sins will basically fall under these four categories. In other words, these are the gods that you serve when you serve your sin. These are the idols that you go to. To use the illustration that we were using, this is the root of where we go to when we sin. We have power, control, comfort, and approval. 
What you're looking at here on the screen is the root idols of the heart. You ever wonder, did you ever wonder why you keep on going back to doing what you've always done? Have you ever wondered why you keep on sinning in the same way? Okay, this is going to help explain that. So let's look at the root idols of the heart again. Power, a longing for influence or recognition. Now again, any one of these can show themselves in a thousand different ways. But I'm just going to give some examples for some of them. My, my hope is that you will be able to identify which one, two, three, or four idols you're bowing to rather than running to Jesus. Does this make sense? In other words, we are bow- all sin is is bowing down to another God, looking to something other than Jesus to save us. That's what sin is. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to look your idol in the eye and then go to Jesus and ask him because he's far, far better. So let's look at the first one. Power. A longing for influence or recognition. That means when you're at work and you have a bitterness against your um, fellow employee, and the reason that you have bitterness is because they're taking the credit for something that you worked on as well. Okay, your struggle is not with bitterness. Your struggle is with power. Your sin is not so much bitterness. Bitterness is the root, is the, is the fruit. Bitterness is not the root. So if you have, and this, boy, this shows itself in church world all the time. I can't tell you how many people have stopped coming to this church because they felt like they didn't get enough recognition for what they were doing. And maybe you're struggling that, with that right now. You, oh, I do so much. Nobody gives me enough recognition to which I would say thank you so much for what you're doing. What you're doing matters, and we love you here. And sometimes it feels like a thankless job. But I would ask you to not, if you don't feel, if you're not feeling recognized, I would ask you to run to Jesus and have him love on you and confirm you, and, and build you up, rather than looking for man to do that, because men will fail you, but Jesus won't. Let's look at another one. Control. A longing to have everything go according to my plan. I got to tell you, seven out of ten times that I've ever disciplined my children, it was because they were trying to get out of my control. They were doing things that I thought, Try that the next time you're having an argument with your wife or with your friend. Try, try confessing this. You know why I'm so angry at you? Because you are not giving me my way. You know why I'm so bitter against you? Because you won't do what I say. Try it. it control. A longing to have everything go according to my plan. So, if I'm, so what, what is it? The, my problem is I'm impatient. No, your problem's not you're impatient. That's the fruit of it. My problem is control. That I want to control everything because I don't trust Jesus to control anything. Because Jesus, Jesus, you don't have the power to control my life. I'm going to do it. I can do a better job anyway. And whenever anybody doesn't worship at my altar, then they have to feel the wrath. 
Power is a longing for influence or recognition. Control is a longing to have everything go my way. Comfort. What are we talking about? We're talking about root sins. We're talking about getting at the bottom of sins, confessing them. Comfort. A longing for pleasure. The older I get, the more I run to this God. Here's how it works for me. I come, it's, it's a Friday. It's my only day off. It's, it's our Sabbath at home, right? Friday's our Sabbath. So I work six days a week. My week, work week starts yesterday on Saturday, and I work till Thursday, and I work pretty hard. And then I come home, and then my wife goes, ooh, wouldn't it be great if we, and it doesn't matter what the rest of the sentence is. Because <laughs> I promise you it's not going to be what I have intended. She goes, ooh, wouldn't it be wonderful? No. And so what I do, because I'm a good Christian, is I go, yes, dear, that would be wonderful. And all sorts of hell and demonic activity is birthed in my heart. You understand what's going on here, right? And I think, now listen to me, I think I have not sinned. I think I'm walking in righteousness. Because if I gave her a piece of what I was really feeling, it would be really, and you know what? Jesus is going, it's just as ugly. It's just as demonic. Because what's happening on the inside is not worship, it's not done in faith. It's not done in worship of Christ. So I go, so here's what I've been doing lately. I go, Jesus, here's the truth about me. I'm tired. Like, I'm not tired, I'm tired but I want to serve my wife. Would you, would you remind me that you're the God of all comfort and that comfort comes not from my agenda, but comfort comes from resting in your hand? And I can do that driving to the mall or I can do that sitting in my couch. See, we want to get down to the root sins. And if you come alongside of me, and, or you come alongside my wife. You go, has Edwin sinned against you? She would go, no, not at all. He's a great guy. Look, we're driving to the mall. <laughs> Listen to me. And yet I'm sinning wickedly because I'm not finding my comfort in Christ. I'm getting angrier and angrier because someone did not allow me to be the God of my pleasure. Not only is it comfort, but it's also a longing for pleasure. That means, beloved, what do you run to? Hey, let me ask you something, right? Remember this commercial? Uh, R-O-L-A-I-D-S. Rolades. Spells relief. Let me ask you. Okay, okay. Listen, I want you to, I want you to answer this question seriously. What spells relief in your life? How do you spell relief? Is it poker? Is it pornography? Is it spending? In other words, when you're stressed, how do you say, oh, but I'm going to treat myself? How do you say that? How, how does that get lived out in your life? When we put that at the center of our lives, we're worshiping a God that's not Jesus. We're living for pleasure. 
boy, I remember, I've had so many addictions in my life, I can remember being controlled by pleasure so many times in my life. Are you being controlled by pleasure? I hope not. But if you are, confess it to Christ. Go, here's the truth about me, Jesus. The truth is that I think that this, I think that she will save me from my, from my fear and loneliness. I think that she will give me pleasure and that you won't. In fact, you don't satisfy me. I need to find something or someone else. It could be, it could be ice cream. It could be heroin. I don't know. Last one, approval. I hope you're examining yourself. I hope you're examining yourself. Approval, a longing to be accepted or desired. A longing to be accepted or desired. Some of us run our entire lives off of this, worshiping this God. In fact, watch this. It's possible. What's the roughest thing you can do in our culture to be considered a kind person? What's the hardest thing to do in our culture? That if you did it, everybody would go, wow, that person is a great person. I submit to you that it's helping your friend move. If you help your friend move, you are officially the kindest person in the room, right? Every, listen, when you call, when you call up your friend, if you don't believe me, go ahead and have a two-bedroom apartment and call some friends to help you move. You will find people booking tickets to Puerto Rico. It's crazy. Moving is rough. So your friend asks you to help them move, and you go over and you help them. And you're serving, and you're breaking your back, and you're, you know, man, you're, 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 you know, you're scratching your arm, you're getting bruises all over the place because you're manipulating furniture and all that, and you do that. And then three months later, they go, you know, I just want to thank some of the best friends that I have in the world, and they don't mention your name. Like, they mention 15 people, 15 connections, and they don't mention your name. What do you do? What do you do? You go, oh, my. I can't unfriend you enough. You go, that's it. I'm not one of the 15. Like, there's 15. I'm not one of the, I'm not the top 15. I'm somewhere in 16 or lower. What you weren't doing, listen, you weren't serving them out of the love of Christ. You were serving them because you were serving your God approval. You wanted them to say, you wanted them to go to a, you know, for you 12-steppers, you wanted them to go to a meeting and say, you know, Joni really helped me stay clean. You know, Susie really helped me during my difficult time. And if they don't say that, you're bitter. Why? Because you're serving your God approval. And if you don't get the kind of approval, then you rather... Rather, we can say, Jesus, here's the truth about me. I care more about what they think than what you think. That's the truth about me. That their opinion matters to me more than your opinion matters to me. This is rough, folks. But being able to look at our sin as it actually is and then confessing it unto God, there can be true freedom and liberty. So you could be a crazy rebel, drinking, shooting up heroin, you know, causing a muck. Or you could be the kind old lady 
and be living, both be equally living in deep sin. Not because of the outside, but because of the inside. Because we need to address, listen to me, we need to address the lies. The first lie was, I'm not a bad person. We're all bad people. We're all bad people in desperate need of a savior. All sin is the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to find that salvation somewhere else. No, I'm not. And then three, since I've already done it, I might as well keep doing it. Trust me. Every private sin has personal consequences. Every private sin has public consequences. So, as the team comes up, I want to ask you, I want to talk with you for a second. While we're sitting here, would you take some time with Jesus? We're not going to, they're going to sing in a second. Um, and we're going to come and we're going to sing with them. But would you just take a minute? I know, I know right now that there are some of us who are looking to someone so bad for approval because you think that if he loves you, then you're beautiful. I know right now that there are some people who are willing to steal and lie and cheat in order to get the recognition that they think that they deserve. I know. I know that right now there are some people that will put their comfort before their children. Put their comfort before their Christ. And I know now. You see what we're saying here, right? All of us have some sin to confess. From the most senior, listen, from the person speaking to the person listening, we all have sin to confess. Stop running to those guys. Stop running to those gods who do not satisfy. She will never satisfy you like Jesus. He will never satisfy you like Jesus. It's time that we just come to God with the truth and stop saying, God, I broke the volume rule or I broke the taking the things that I don't belong to me rule. Nah, I was looking for something other than Jesus to save me. Listen. So we're going to spend some time in, in private prayer. You pray. You confess. And then a minute or so later, we'll sing together.